Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask once again that you would take this time and help us to learn from your word and to be encouraged in it. Give us grace. In your name we pray. Amen. You may Revelation chapter 7. And if you need an outline, wave your hand there. I think uh, Peter's got some copies there. And uh, as we said, we have a pause here in chapter 7. And uh, we think dealt with 144,000 fairly well. Let's look at verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, They are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he sitteth on the throne, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And so we spent our time last week primarily on the 144,000. Uh, we've titled them the virgin or the pure men of Israel. Now we have a great multitude. And this multitude came out of the tribulation. It's interesting. As we look here at verse 13. And one of the elders. And we're going to see that phrase elders through the book of Revelation And uh, it's at one time one of the elders is going to say, I am of thy brethren. And so we take the elders to represent 12. uh, There are 24 number given, 12 to represent Israel, 12 to represent the apostles of Jesus Christ. Very simply, Old Testament, New Testament saints. This group is made different. They're not the same. And... Uh, different people are trying to figure out where the church comes into all of this. And we are, we are seeing that this group is made different than the church. And we uh, follow what this uh, says of all nations. Now, if it's of all nations, if it's of all kindreds and people and tongues, languages... Uh, it would just bear to say out that there's probably more than 144,000 Jewish men that are saved during the tribulation. There'd be other Jewish people involved in this great multitude. And we spent a little bit of time on the issue of not being able to number them. Uh, we have difficulty sometimes just counting the number of people that are in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're not going to worry about... Uh, man's ability, of course, God is able to count these people and they're going to be clothed in white robes. We come back and we find that the white robes are from the fifth seal. They are now given palms and they are praising God. And we have, uh, as we spent our, our last week mostly on we have all of these different groups 
working together, praising God. And uh, now I want us to just skip down to verse 14 here. Uh, well, actually, no, let's, uh, um, yeah, let's skip down to verse 14 and then we'll come back and, and get the, the actual song that they sing. It tells us that they have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, again, we have many things, and oftentimes when people talk about the book of Revelation, they say it's all figurative and symbolic and some of it's real, and, and how can you tell the difference? Well, very simply here, is there an actual fountain? Or I mean, we sing there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. How do we have that blood applied to us? Through faith, amen? We pray and God cleanses us. How did the tribulation saints get saved? Through faith. Now, if you've uh, read some of the things that are written about the book of Revelation, there is a group, uh, we call them hyper-dispensationalists. Now, what they do is they will say, you got saved by works in the Old Testament because if you didn't do your works, you didn't get saved. And then you get saved by faith in the New Testament. And then in the tribulation period, we go back to a part of, uh, of the Old Testament because you're saved by works in the tribulation period. And I just want to challenge you that there aren't different Types of salvation in the scripture. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are ye saved through what? So why did Noah build an ark? Because God said so. Amen. That's what God's word said to do. We get to the book of Hebrews. And it says that Noah by faith what? He built an ark. He obeyed God's word. If you had faith when the tabernacle was standing, what was your faith going to do? It was going to cause you to bring the sacrifices that the law said. If you're alive today, what is your faith going to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And we have to be careful with some of the wording here because it talks about Jewish people, but they're going to believe in the Lamb. They're going to believe on Jesus Christ. Now, uh, somebody was even discussing this with me, said, so people are going to get saved during the tribulation period. Yes, People will get saved. We're going to have this 144,000. We're going to have this innumerable multitude that no man can number. These are people, it tells us directly, that they came through the tribulation, that they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. How did they do that? Same way you did that. It's, uh, we'll, I want us to go through some of these things because there's some promises that is made to these people in verses 14 as we go down through here. And first of all, we want to establish they have the same salvation that we do. Their sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Now, did Noah understand that his sins would be forgiven by the blood of the Lamb? He does now, amen? He did not when he was building the ark. His faith caused him to be obedient to the revealed word of God. And the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. You enter into him and you are safe. Do you see the picture that is there? You're safe from the judgment of God, just as the Passover was a picture 
God's word had come to them and said, you're to celebrate the Passover. You're to take the blood of the lamb and you are to paint it, to strike it upon the doorpost and the lintel of your house. You're to stay in that house. You are to stay under the blood and I will pass over you. We do not live in the picture. We live in the reality. Amen? You come to Jesus Christ. You confess your sins. You believe that His death on the cross, His shed blood, His resurrection is all that is necessary for your salvation. And what does the Bible say? Thou shalt be saved. Now, if you're going to go about and continually re-crucify Jesus Christ, read the book of Hebrews, that's not salvation. It is the finished work of Christ. Uh, We believe in the empty cross. Amen? Because it is finished. The three greatest words in all of history. We believe, Revelation chapter 4, the church is taken out. So who's going to be giving the gospel during the tribulation period? Well, we're not going to look it all up tonight, but there's going to be the two witnesses that are going to prophesy at least 1,260 days. We Also, when we get down to, I think it's Revelation chapter 14, uh, there, it talks about uh, an angel flies in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So we, we have God is never without a witness. He has always, from the day of Abel, God accepted Abel's sacrifice, rejected Cain's, To our present day, it is the job of the church to go, therefore, and teach all nations. The church is taken out. We have a separate group here, the group of tribulation saints. Yet God is going to have his witness, and people are going to be saved through the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And so we come down here to the blessings that are given unto them. And we have, I I want us just to look through some of these references here. It says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. And uh, we go back to chapter 2. This is a letter to the church. And uh, uh, verse 17 tells us, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name which is written, which no man knoweth, saying, He that receiveth it. Um, Let's see here. We go to verse 7. It says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what of uh, chapter 2, what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. There's no more sun, no more heat. Now, what we're talking about is the tribulation saints. They're going to be deprived of food and drink. They're, they're not going to have the normal things that we would have. God's going to make sure that they never suffer that again. But guess what? They have to die to get out of the tribulation. You see, Romans chapter 8, and I didn't put this in here, it says, we are more than conquerors. How? Though we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. God's idea of success is not your idea of success. Uh, That's why we reject the prosperity religions of our day. And it's kind of interesting. 
The prosperity religions work best in the poorest neighborhoods. Have you ever noticed that? They, they, uh, it's almost like the lottery. Who buys the tickets? The people who want something for nothing. Amen? Who really buys into this prosperity gospel? The, you're going to have a big uh, bank account and lots of money. It's, it's kind of funny, but it's among the people who have the least of this world's possessions. By the way, it all goes to prove one point. You don't have to be rich to love money. You can love money even if you don't have it. True religion isn't concerned with what I have. But God says, once you get through this life, I'm going to take care of it. It says, the next promise is that of, it says, neither shall the sun light on them or any heat. Now, of course, most of us would like the sun to light on us right now. Uh, we want some sunlight because it's cold. In the land of Israel, that was a whole different story. You ever wonder why they wear them funny looking little headdresses and all that stuff? Because if you don't have something to protect your head from the heat of the sun... The sun can literally cook your brain and kill you. You get out in the desert. Your protection for your head is extremely, extremely important. So why is the promise here of no sun and no heat? Because those were the most miserable things. Those were the normal things that would happen to you when you didn't have proper clothing, and proper place to live. It's called exposure. You wouldn't die of freezing unless you were up in the mountains. Though if you're out in the desert, it could be 120 in the day and down into the 40s at night. Uh, it can really, really uh, give you uh, a great... Uh, deal of suffering, and we go back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. Now, if you're stuck in the temple of God, if you're not going out, guess what's not going to happen to you? You're not going to suffer exposure anymore, are you? Because you're going to be in. And what I'm trying to do here is not say that it is the exact same promises that are given to the churches here that are given to the saints, but there is a similarity because it's the same God bestowing the promises on those who have the same salvation. Did I, did I make that point? Hello? Okay. Uh, and so then we get down here for the lamb, which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. And we've already talked about the lamb giving them to eat of hidden manna and the tree of life, which, uh, which God is going to feed them with and shall lead them unto the living fountains of waters. Now, I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. Verse 1, this is the fountain of living waters. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. You'll notice that that throne is mentioned over and over again as belonging to God and the Lamb. The Lamb is in the midst of the throne when he takes the book out of the hand of him that sits on the throne. And as hard as I try, I still can't draw a picture in my mind that actually makes that thing happen. I just believe that there is one God and he makes himself known to us in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Though we don't hear so much of the Spirit, we still see the seven spirits of God before the throne. 
represented by the, the candlesticks and different things that are there. And so we have this river of life, of the water of life. It comes from the throne. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Now this is talking about, we go back to uh, chapter 21, this is talking about the new Jerusalem. Now the new Jerusalem is going to be the place of eternity future. One of the things that, it's also called the bride of Christ. I've heard a lot of preaching on the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the new Jerusalem. Guess who's in the new Jerusalem? Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, tribulation saints. Now that messes up an awful lot of preaching. I've heard some preachers preach that the Old Testament uh, saints were the bride of God and the New Testament saints are the bride of Christ and the tribulation saints are the bride of the Holy Spirit. I think that borders on polygamy, doesn't it? Uh, we have one bride. It's called the New Jerusalem. And all the saints are going to live there. And if we try to explain it any more than that, we're going to get in trouble. But it all goes back to where we started. There is one salvation, for there is one God. That salvation is by God's goodness. He's given us His Word. How much more are you and I responsible for than Cain and Abel were responsible for? They could not hold the Word of God in their hands like we do. On the other hand, it was a whole lot more simple. It was much more simple in those days than it is in our days. But faith brings the blood sacrifice. God accepted Cain. Noah brought the blood sacrifice because Abel had done the same. And God had done the same when he removed Adam and Eve from the garden. And God came to Noah and said, I want you to build an ark. And Noah said, I'm going to obey the words of God. Now, how many of you would like to build an ark when you didn't know what rain was? You'd never seen a rain cloud. And uh, one preacher pointed out from Noah, who lived about 2,600 years or so before Christ, until 1888, there had not been a boat built the size of Noah's ark by man. So don't, don't tell me how advanced we are. Great things have been accomplished all through history by faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham left his family and went traveling in the land that wasn't his. That was faith. He believed that God would give him a son when he had no son. Moses went up to Mount Sinai after he'd been out of the land of Egypt and received the very laws of God written down for the very first time. And they begin to offer those sacrifices on that altar in the wilderness. And later on, 400 years later, they built the temple in Jerusalem. And after that, we had 300 or so years after the temple was built. It was destroyed. 70 years after that, the temple was rebuilt. And we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go back chapter 7 here. Well, hold on, I want to get, while you're still in Revelation 22, I'm sorry, verse 4 of chapter 21. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now, I often hear that verse read, and this was a promise that was made to these that had come through the tribulation, that had washed their 
robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, time-wise, as far as we understand, we're somewhere about the middle of that seven-year period of the tribulation. And yet the promises that are being given to these people, to these saints that come out are at the very end of the book of Revelation. Now, we're going to find God do this on many occasions. That does not give us an excuse to destroy the chronology of the book of Revelation. Amen? God is giving us things that happen in order. But is it okay if he jumps ahead and gives us a little bit of things that are going to happen at the end, at the beginning? Well, that's what he did, whether you like it or not. I tend to like it. Amen? Uh, I love the encouragement that it comes. And, and again, through the New Testament, we have a very similar promise. The suffering that we suffer in this life is going to be far more rewarded in heaven. In fact, they accuse us of pie in the sky by and by. Now, I don't know who came up with that blasphemous phrase. Uh, but let me tell you, we're going to have a whole lot more than pie in the sky. Amen? Uh, we're going to be with the Lamb. We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to know Him as He is. And by the way, if you obey the Lamb through faith in this life, guess what? You can have blessings right now as well. Amen? Every good thing that has happened in my life has happened because of obedience to the Word of God. Every disagreeable thing, every hurtful thing, every painful thing in my life has happened because of disobedience to the Word of God. And innocent people always suffer because of other people's sins. How many of you have heard that phrase? This is going to hurt you more than it is me. Talking about discipline and all of that. That's not true. Because if it hurts you more than it does them, it's not discipline. Amen? Excuse me. Things in this life that God allows to happen to us can be traumatic can be very painful, can change, in fact, every day of the rest of our lives. But if we'll take even those hurtful and painful events and put them under the authority of Jesus Christ and under His blood, He keeps us from being bitter against other people and being destroyed by our own bitterness. Amen. And He also allows us to be free of the burden of others' hates, to, hatred toward us. One of the greatest things that you can do, most destructive thing you can do, is when someone sends their hatred in your direction to try to do something about it. How are you going to stop that? You know, we were talking very... And, not a real super good illustration of this, much more trivial than what we are talking about. But uh, Andrew called me up and said, Dad, somebody broke my computer. I said, oh, come on, Andrew, what happened? He said, I don't know. He said, I walked into my dorm room and I was looking a little funny. And he said, somebody had taken where the power cord, it's one of those magnetic ones that's supposed to pull away and actually pushed it into the frame of the computer. I said, is anybody fessing up to what they did? He said, no. I said, well, what are you going to do about it? And he was bummed out. He really was. And I said, now, son, how many of us would be bummed out? And let's, let's get on the bandwagon there. I said, now, son... You can let this get to you. Even if it costs money to get it repaired, I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and feel bad at this person who won't even tell you what they did? Or are you just going to call up Apple Care and get, an, get a 
thing made. And if you have to pay for it, you have to pay for it. Let's get it fixed and let's get going. He calls me up and said, I got an appointment for tomorrow night. Takes it in, calls me after the appointment and said, they're going to fix it for free. But if you internalize that, what happens? Who really suffers? You do. Look at the promises that are here, my friend. That's one of the reasons these things, and not a one of us, and and I really get torqued. My blood pressure goes up when I read through these commentaries, and, and they want to say that people have suffered down through history like they will during the tribulation period. I don't think that's true. I don't even think the horrors of the Holocaust are going to hold a candle to what's going to go on during the tribulation period. That was six million Jews killed in the Holocaust. We're talking about four and a half billion people dying in less than seven years. Do you see the difference? What goes on in this tribulation period is going to be, is so awful that God says, if the Lord had not shortened the days, no flesh should survive. We know nothing of that kind of suffering. And yet, what does God promise these saints? Most of which, if we understand the fifth seal, they did not die from the hunger from the famine, from the wars. They died because of their faith in Jesus Christ. We'll later see that there were many of them that were beheaded for the cause of Christ. And he says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, that may not happen specifically in the time as we have this pause in Revelation chapter 7, but we get to Revelation chapter 21 and we see that God is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. He's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. He is going to give them the same benefits of salvation that He gives us. And in our last few minutes tonight, I want us to, to just look at the praise. Go with me to verse 12 here. Verse 12, the first word, as they fall on their faces and worship God, is what? Verse 12, saying, say it out loud with me, Amen. Now that was a pretty pitiful one. Let's try that again. Saying what? Okay, you're not ready. Do you think when we get to heaven it's going to be... Amen. Now, I I don't think so. I think it's going to make the universe ring. And this is one of the reasons why we encourage uh, you when it comes to something the preacher says that you agree with. Say, Amen. Now, guys... I'm going to say something to you. Men are spo- God looks to men to be leaders. Don't let the ladies amen louder than you do, all right? Amen. Okay. And, uh, but you've got to listen. You've got to be a part. You've got to be in agreement. Don't lie. I remember, I, I think I've told the story before. Um, one of my professors uh, in, in Bible college, he was a great man and He said, I had this student that just, amen, real loud all through the class. He said, and so one day he said, I decided I was going to stop it. Because he was calling attention to himself. Amen, when it's used properly, calls attention to God. 
And he said, so I got saying a list of things that I knew he'd get all excited about and start shouting. He said, then I stuck one in that was pure heresy. And sure enough, amen. And he said, that's what I'm talking about. He said, and I took him apart. He said, because amen, if it's used properly, draws attention to God. But you know what? It wouldn't hurt you to get excited enough to say amen and maybe have somebody turn around once in a while. Amen? Amen. This is part of our praise to God. It means of a surety. It means I'm in agreement. Now, normally we say amen at the end of praise, but this is in heaven. No human nature is going to be involved here. We will not be able to want or say or think the wrong things. Could you say amen to that? There won't be any of us there. It's all going to be about God. I'm looking forward to that. How many of you have to fight distractions to pray properly? Uh, If you're not fighting some distractions, you're not praying properly, I promise you. What will it be when there are no distractions? It is going to be something worth saying, Amen. And we get into the first of the praises to God. Well, actually, I skipped over one. Verse 10. These cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. If you ever get comfortable with your salvation, there's something desperately wrong with your spiritual relationship with God. These saints that are crying salvation to our God are crying salvation because they came through the tribulation. Most of them will have lost their lives being a Christian. Martyrs, we call them. But they didn't lose their salvation. They just lost their life. It is a simple thing. It should be a simple thing to turn in that which is temporary for that which is eternal. Amen? Only God gives salvation. And they're going to give the cry of salvation To our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And they're going to say, Amen. Why? Because they are saved. Blessing. Now, we've been over the word blessing. The word blessing means happiness. We want to have blessing in our lives. But could I challenge you, the key to having blessing in your life is blessing God. How do we bless God? By simply obeying his word. Can I bless God if I spend every day trying to figure out whether I'm saved or not? Can I bless God if I'm harboring hurt and resentment because somebody did something to me? No. I can only bless God when his word is more important to me than what anybody else does. When his word is more important to me than my own thought processes. You know, my mind does not know how to think as it ought. I've got to train it to think biblically. How do I do that? Is I say to myself, this is what the Bible says, therefore this is right. And I will agree with the scriptures. 
But how many of us have failed at that this week? My hand goes up. So what do we do? We confess our sins to him that is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And we start over again. Amen? You say, but I do that every day. Welcome to the human race. But guess what? There's coming a day when that won't be. And we can look forward to it. That's one of the reasons God gave us the book of Revelation. You want blessing. You want to make God happy? God is going to rejoice over those that trust him and get saved. He wants people in heaven. The only way you get there, obey his word. Blessing and glory. Now, glory is a word that we don't think of much anymore. But the glory is the testimony. Uh, It is literally talking about the shadow. Have you ever heard them talk about, well, he casts a long shadow. It's talking about somebody who's had great accomplishments and great influence. Let me tell you, who's had greater accomplishments and more influence than the God of this book called the Bible? That's why we'll be saying glory to his name, even in the midst of the tribulation period. And wisdom. You ever wondered why God does things the way he does things? It's because he's smarter than you are. Amen? But we don't understand that now. Our minds don't work that way. But they will when we get up there. We won't understand it. And we will say, wisdom is yours, God, because you knew how to do everything. And thanksgiving. How many of you can think of something in your life that you're thankful that God's wisdom wrote itself over top of yours and God did it his way instead of your way? Amen? This is what these saints who have come through the tribulation period, and by the way, it's not only going to be them, the four beasts, the 24 elders, the angels, the 144,000, and the innumerable company are all giving the same praise to the same God. By the way, in chapter 5 and verse 9, this is a new song as the 24 elders sing this song, and now they're going to be joined by their brethren, those that have come through great tribulation, and sing a song that is very similar, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be unto our God forever and ever. Be careful how you read that. Because we have a word today forever. That's not what's in your Bible. It says for, ever, and ever. They're all separate words. Ever is simply an immeasurable span of time. We shortened it and made the word forever, which means forever, but... Does that really mean forever? How many of you have seen true love forever? Scratched on the subway car. If you live in the country, they carve it in the trees. And then you'll sometimes you'll see them go back and scratch it out. um, Put somebody else's initial in there. Listen. If you get depressed... If you get befuddled by this world, overcome by circumstances, work on this song a little bit. Amen. God is always right. Instead of asking God to bless me, 
Ask God to allow me to be a blessing to him. Instead of asking God to do something nice for me, ask God to let you do something that will glorify him or give him a good testimony. Ask God to do something in your life that will put his wisdom on display. Something that would make thanksgiving be given to God because he did a work in your life. Do you think that would cheer you up if you started praying that way? Do you think it would change your perspective on things? Uh, Let me tell you, it would, and it will also practice you for heaven. Now, I hope this isn't getting tedious to you, but when is the last time you honored God? You know, we honor, the Bible says honor to whom honor. We, we just got through, um, uh, well, actually coming up is President's Day when we honor the presidents because George Washington and Abraham Lincoln's birthday were very close together. And, and honestly, we ought to honor those men, should we not? But when is the last time you just honored God? How can you do that? Just do something because he said so. Take some extra time. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up, and if you have a sweetheart, you're supposed to do something. You're supposed to do something that will honor that relationship. Well, you don't send God flowers. He made them. But you could take some special time just to thank God and remind yourself of how good and how great He is. Amen? Look at these last two words, power and might. I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the news, I'm just about ready to shut off the news. I mean, it just seems like the devil is winning everywhere you turn, doesn't it? You know what? We need to be reminded. We need to remind ourselves that God is still in control, even though the world is out of control. God still has the power to solve the problems when we obey his word. And these people went through great tribulation. And even though their life was forfeited for the cause of Christ, he is still allowing them to join in on the praise of power and might. It is going to be so bad during the tribulation period that it says that the Antichrist is going to prevail against the saints of God. Not in the fact that he will take away anybody's salvation. Of course not. That would go against Scripture. But when it comes to the world scene, the world is going to reject the message of Christ and embrace the message of Antichrist. That's one of the reasons we believe the church is going to be gone. Because it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Now that doesn't mean the church wins every battle. No. But since the day Jesus spoke those words to our day, there has been the church of Jesus Christ actively obedient to the words of the Savior. Amen? And not one soul that has ever been added to his church has ever been lost because the devil doesn't win. It is he that has the power to keep us. And he has the might. Now, if you remember, and we'll close with this, when the fifth seal was opened, John saw the souls of them that had been 
uh, had died for the name of Jesus Christ during the tribulation period. And again, they were told that they needed to rest a while until the rest of their brethren should be added unto them. And we get over here and we have the same pictures and the same types. We believe that God is just filling in. And he said, here's what's going to happen during this time of tribulation. They're all going to be brought together. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to make everything right. This world, whether you want to believe it or not, is ruled by force. If you have any questions, just try to stand against it. You say, I'm not going to pay my taxes. Uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to obey any of the laws. I'm going to do whatever I want. Let me tell you something. What's going to happen? There's going to be some force show up outside your apartment and they're going to put you in handcuffs and they're going to put you in a place where you can't hurt yourself or other people. And you know what? That's usually a pretty good thing now, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, let me tell you who's going to rule then. It's going to be he who never makes a mistake. He who never misses a judgment. He who will never put the wrong person in prison. Because he is the creator. We have this pause in the book of Revelation... Because this book is not the revelation of all the horrible things that are going to happen to mankind. This book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Get your praise in order. And so many other things will take care of themselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we look to you to do what only you can do in our hearts and lives. Lord, we ask that you would give us grace to learn, to look at the praise that is here. Lord, that we would take a little time and just practice for heaven. That we would remember as a church, when we sing our songs on Sunday morning, we could be a blessing to God. When we pass out our tracks on the street, we could be a blessing to God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful. That we would not pray so much for your blessings as we would. That you would allow us to bless you. And we'll find ourselves so full of blessing we won't know how to receive it. Lord... We just put ourselves before you and ask you to work. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play.